Welcome to the Facts Are What Matter podcast, where we discuss the lies, the myths, and the propaganda being promoted by the media and society. Let's all be informed, not uninformed, or even worse, misinformed. Here we go. Today's episode, we're going to talk about gun control, and specifically, we're going to go into President Biden's Rose Garden ceremony, where he talks about his executive actions that he plans to do for gun control. And we're also going to have a guest on today, and we're going to talk about what the real statistics are. So Jenna Kern's going to be on, and she's going to tell us what the real statistics are, and she's going to talk about the UCR, Universal Crime Report, that is put out by the FBI, and has what the real facts are on crime and, and gun violence. So anyways, to get started, we'll go ahead and, and uh, play the first little clip from uh, President Biden's press conference here. And today I'm announcing several initial steps my administration is taking to curb this epidemic of gun violence. Much more need be done, but the first, first, want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost guns. These are guns that are homemade, built from a kit that include directions on how to finish the firearm. You can go buy the kit. They have no serial numbers. So when they show up at a crime scene, they can't be traced. And the buyers aren't required to pass a background check to buy the kit, to make the gun. Consequently, anyone, anyone from a criminal to a terrorist can buy this kit in as little as 30 minutes put together a weapon. You know, I want to see these kits treated as firearms under the Gun Control Act, which is going to require that the seller and manufacturers make the key parts with serial numbers and run background checks on the buyers when they walk in to buy that package. And let's just say what it really is. They're really just kits. They're gun kits. They're guns that you can buy uppers and lowers and stocks and whatever, magazines, and you assemble this this firearm yourself and you have a rifle. Or you can even do it with hunting rifles because, you know, I've watched a cousin of mine. He ordered a stock. He ordered a barrel. He ordered a, he ordered a, all the parts and put together this high-end, really fancy hunting rifle. Well, just the honest truth is hunting rifles are not the problem with gun violence right now. It's handguns. It's handguns. And we'll hear more of that later on. So... Just don't be fooled that this is the problem. Also note what they did. They put a very particular name with this, ghost guns, right? They didn't call them kit guns. They called them ghost guns. So note note that 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 is something that they have done. Okay, let's listen to something else they've said. We want to treat pistols modified with stabilizing braces with the seriousness they deserve. A stabilizing brace hook and a pencil essentially makes that pistol a hell of a lot more accurate and a mini rifle. As a result, it's more lethal, effectively turning into a short-barreled rifle. That's what the alleged shooter in Boulder appears to have done. I want to be clear that these modifications to firearms that make them more lethal should be subject to the National Firearms Act. The National Firearms Act requires 
that a potential owner pay $200 fee and submit their name and other identifying information to the Justice Department, just as they would if they went out and purchased a silencer for a gun. Putting a stabilizing brace on a pistol does not make it more deadly. You know, what makes a, you know what makes a pistol more deadly? What makes any firearm deadly is kinetic energy. One half mass times the velocity squared. KE equals one half MV squared. So big bullet, small velocity has like the same as a little bullet with a lot of velocity. So, and what they do, like hollow point bullets are made to transfer all that energy and leave it inside a human body or a animal that you shoot. That's what makes it deadly. Not a stock, not a stabilizing brace, nothing like that. Just one half mass times the velocity squared, kinetic energy. Okay, so now that we've established that President Biden doesn't know anything about physics or basic ballistics of, a, of firearms in general, We'll go on to see what other crazy ideas he has in this press conference. I believe the Senate should immediately pass three House-passed bills to close loopholes that allow gun purchases, purchasers to bypass the background checks. The vast majority of the American people, including gun owners, believe there should be background checks before you purchase a gun. As was noted earlier, Hundreds of thousands of people have been denied guns because of the background checks. What more would have happened? These bills, one, require background checks for anyone purchasing a gun at a gun show or an online sale. Most people don't know. You walk into a store and you buy a gun, you have a background check. But you go to a gun show, you can buy whatever you want and no background check. Folks, there's already universal background checks. When you go in to purchase a firearm, you select you select whatever you would like, and they hand you this piece of paper, and it's, it's front and back. You fill out your name, your address, your social security number if you're willing to give it to them, a big long list of things you have to verify that you're not a convicted felon, you've never... You're not addicted to opiates and you haven't had psychological problems and da, 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 da. there's like 10 boxes you got to check. You can read them and check them. Be careful you don't answer them wrong. You flip it over, check some more boxes and sign this form away that says, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. I'm not a convicted felon. I haven't done anything bad. And they said they take it back. And by the way, you put your I think the serial number of the firearm is on there. They take it to the back, get on the computer, and they go check you versus a database. And I'm not sure the database. I don't know if it's the local sheriff's office or if it's the FBI or if the two are tied together. But they go check you versus this universal database. And if your name doesn't come up as being wanted for a, a crime or, or you're a convicted felon or that kind of thing, they come back and they hand you the firearm. Now, can be the computer's down and they can't complete it and they tell you to come back. You know, there, there is that situation. And, but usually if you, if you're, if you're not being convicted of anything, you leave and come back, you leave with the weapon, you leave with the firearm that day.
but they do do a background check every time you purchase a firearm, at least everywhere I've been. So it's a lie that people do not do background checks. So let's move on to another seg- another little piece of the uh, press conference here, and let's listen to what President Biden talks about with respect to red flag laws. During my campaign for president, I wanted to make it easier for states to adopt extreme risk protection order laws. They're also called red flag laws, which everybody in this lawn knows, but many people listening do not know. These laws allow a police or family member to petition a court in their jurisdiction and say, I want you to temporarily remove from the following people any firearm they may possess because they're a danger and a crisis. They're presenting a danger to themselves and to others. And the court makes a ruling. So let's talk a little bit about these red flag laws. They sound good. They sound good. You ought to be able to turn your crazy cousin Eddie in or your crazy next door neighbor in because he's, you know, he's got firearms. Yeah, that sounds great. That's probably something we ought to be able to do. But what is the due process there? What is the due process that lets them be considered innocent, not guilty? Are they just going to break in his house and take all his firearms? And how do you get them back? And how do you how do you prove that you're not crazy? That's a really hard thing to do. How do you prove you're not crazy? How do you prove the fact that you flew off the handle and yelled at somebody wasn't that you have anger issues? That's a really difficult thing. So that's a slippery slope that I know a lot of people are that, that scares a lot of people when it comes to the government and handing them this power, just like we handed away the surveillance power with the Patriot Act. And look where that's got us. You know, the Patriot Act we put in place because of the terrorist attack at 9-11, and it's still there. And it's still there 20 years later. The Patriot Act is still there, and we're still we're still spying on people. Now we're spying our own U.S. citizens. And that's 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 worth a whole nother episode. But but again, what is the due process and how do we make sure that people's rights aren't violated and you don't just have a crazy ex-wife, a crazy brother-in-law, a crazy neighbor turning you in because they don't like you. They don't like you. Or maybe maybe they're just scared. Oh, he's got guns in his house. I'm scared of him. So they make up something or they tell a scary story to the police or the FBI and they come knock on your door and, oh, by the way, because you have guns, they're going to be scared. They may just break your door in and come in and get them. I mean, what does what that process look like? That, that is a slippery, slippery slope, people. Slippery slope. So, yeah, it sounds really, really good. But how do you execute that and make sure that you don't violate the gun owner's rights as well? So let's move on to another section of the show. Um, we have a very special guest on today, and I'd like to go ahead and uh, and let's uh, let's let's play this call that we had set up here. So uh, today we have a special guest, Jenna Curran. She's an assistant professor in criminal justice studies, and prior to working in academics, Jenna held various custody and treatment positions and was a lieutenant for the Connecticut Department of Correction. Jenna has 10 plus years of experience in the criminal justice and human services field. So Jenna, welcome to the Facts Are What Matter podcast. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me today. So, so Jenna, what led me to you, contact you was 
an article of yours um, on law enforcement today, and I think it was from October of 2020, and it said, it said in 2019, more people were killed by hands, fists, and feet than rifles. So, you know, there was lots of good information and facts in that article. Can you tell listeners a little bit about uh, what you reported on and what some of the real facts are about uh, gun violence and, and, and crime in, in, in general? Sure, absolutely. So, um, you know, the, where we get the data from, uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the FBI, they have what's called the Uniform Crime Report, um, and thousands and thousands of police departments report to this, um, this report every year. Um, and in that report from 2019, which is the most recent data we can get since they're a couple, couple months behind, you know, we'll get 2020 probably in a couple months uh, into this year, shows that just in 2019 there were almost four times the amount of people were killed by knives um, uh, than, than rifles. Um, there were 364 people killed with rifles in 2019, but over 600 were beaten to death with hands, fists, and feet. Um, knives were accounted for 14, almost 1,500 deaths in 2019, 1,476 to be exact, and just under 400 uh, were killed with blunt objects such as hammers and clubs. So, so it just goes to show that um, more, you know, the data that's out there um, is almost hidden. People don't, people don't think to look at the UCR for the actual data that's being reported. So what you're telling me is ghost guns aren't really the problem. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Um, people's hands, uh, fists, feet, other objects, like I said, like a hammer, you know, that you keep in your, uh, in your tool, in your tool chest, in your garage, um, are more apt, you know, to kill somebody than a ghost gun. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never heard that term ghost gun until this press conference said, you know, I've been around guns my entire life. I've got several guns and I'm like, ghost guns. I've never heard of that. So, you know, they're going to ban ghost hammers now and ghost rock, you know, ghost baseball bats. I mean, so it's right. or ghost hands and and feet. Yeah, ghost hands and feet. So, so aren't really? I mean, aren't handguns really the the gun of choice for most most people who commit crimes? They are. You know, oddly enough, um, handguns are a weapon of choice. Firearms typically are the weapon of choice, not only when they're going to harm somebody, but when they're going to commit suicide. Um, but still, the data shows that more people are killed with, again, their personal weapons, right? That's what we call them. Um, and sometimes the UCR data, you know, you do have to take it with uh, a grain of salt because not all police departments are reporting to the UCR every year. Um, and, of course, we know that some crimes do go unreported or underreported, right, dark figures of crime. But the data is still the best we have to move forward and make informed decisions like when we're talking about gun control. So we're talking about rifles being a problem, but we're neglecting the fact that people's weapons and other objects in the house that people, knives, right, in your kitchen, um, are, are more apt to kill somebody. Right. So is there, is there really a gun show loophole? I mean, because you know, I've bought several firearms, and I'd usually just buy them from the gun dealer, and I fill out the form, and they go in the back, and they check my Social Security number, and and come back and hand me the gun, you know? So, and I, and I've actually, I was actually out of town once at a gun show and they said, no, we can't sell you that because you're not from the state. There's different state laws, but is that a real issue? I don't, I don't, I don't understand that. So, 
so I'm kind of with you. You know, I, I have my pistol permit, and same as you, I, I went. And Connecticut has very, um, you know, strict strict gun laws. And um, I went to the, the the gun shop, and they ran my background check, and then I had to go to my town and get my fingerprints. And it took a month. You know, there was all these loopholes that I had to essentially jump through. But to my knowledge, you know, driving down to a different state to a gun show, it still isn't as easy as they're stating to get to get a gun. You know, I I, I think that it's easier to get a gun illegally on the streets than going to a gun show. And because many individuals, like you said, at a gun show still will not sell to an individual, maybe some, but not, not most. Right. And, and I mean, there's always the, you know, you can always, at least I guess every state has some different laws, but I like, like I'm in Alabama and if I want to sell a gun to my next door neighbor or my brother-in-law, I can do that. Now, I mean, if they commit a felony with it, I guess there may be some uh, repercussions. You know, I, I'm, I'm essentially validating them with, you know, personal knowledge, I guess. But, but you know, in, in some other states, you have to use a federal firearm, you know, license kind of holder to, to do the transaction, too. So, I mean, I, I guess that's what they're talking about when they talk about a, about a gun show loophole that you can, if you see somebody there, you guys can sell guns between each other i i I guess i'm with you and i like i said i think you know when we make things um harder to to get we just have more loopholes that's how i see it so if we try and close a loophole you're just gonna force individuals to think outside of the box and it's still there's still going to be illegal firearms so there's still going to be individuals getting their hands on firearms um you know we could button it up as tight as we want um, but there's there's still so many other um, holes in the bucket, if you will, where we, we're still going to have individuals getting their hands on firearms. So why make it more difficult on people that are law-abiding citizens? Right. And, and I'm pretty sure criminals don't obey the laws anyway. So adding another law to a law-abiding citizen is not really going to stop a criminal from committing a crime. Right. And I think that's the, the the misnomer here is that, you know, we're making laws stricter on the law-abiding citizens, but the individuals who unfortunately don't follow the law as it is are still going to go about their business and still sell guns illegally or still, um, you know, make money from selling guns illegally. So you're essentially just making it harder on the individuals that already follow the laws, that already go to the, you know, the, the gun shop and get the background check and go get their fingerprints printed and, you know, and, and follow all of the uh, uh, rules. You know, my pistol permit just expired a week ago, and I was already, you know, sending the paperwork in because I don't want the lapse. But somebody who doesn't follow laws as it is isn't going to do that in the first place. I guess that brings up another question is, in your experience or in your research, do these do these laws work? I mean, when I see cities like Chicago and Baltimore and places like that, they're significant crime going on in those places, and they have really strict gun laws, right? Right. Um, so in my experience and in, in, in research that I've, I've looked at and in classes that I've taught, um, no. I mean, you have gun-controlled Chicago, right, gun-controlled New York, all these cities that you mentioned that have, have the tightest gun laws, California's all tightest gun laws in the country, and their gun violence over the past year has skyrocketed through the roof, through the roof. Um, and, you know, having police officers retire and leave in the mass exodus that they are because of the 
um, you know, the issues going on across the country with that. Now you're not having individuals that you're taking away the plainclothes units that fight to take illegal guns off the streets. Um, so those cities, their gun violence is skyrocketing. Um, so again, by putting in these strict uh, universal gun laws, again, like you said, you're not really targeting the individuals that we need to target to stop the gun violence. You're targeting the law-abiding citizens. Right. You're not targeting the individuals that are not following the law in the first place. Right. I, so, no, I don't think it's going to work. So, you know, as we're recording this, this is this is May the 4th, and I was looking online this morning in Chicago, year-to-date, shot and killed 193 people year-to-date. Yeah. And, and just, that should be a high percentage over last year's. Yeah. And then just in May, so this is the fourth, so it's three days, really. There's been six in May. So it's incredible how, how much, how much, uh, and, and those, those are just, those are shot and killed. That's not the total number of people who are shot. So it's this incredible amount of crime goes on in Chicago, places like that. It's, there's more, I was looking online, um, there's more casual, more murders, more people die in Chicago over this last little bit, over this last this year, than have died in Afghanistan in five years. How about and, that? And, and unfortunately, I wish I could say those numbers shock me, but with the way gun violence has spiked over the past year, it does not surprise me. Um, and, and you brought up, you know, Chicago. Um, I was just doing an article yesterday. Uh, about New York City. Um, just in the last week, um, the last week of April uh, up until the 25th, 50 people were shot in 46 separate incidents over a seven-day period. Wow. And New York has very, very, very strict gun laws, right? I mean, it's probably right. one of the strictest, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. But again, they're suffering, you know, um, not having plainclothes units on the, on the, on the beat anymore um, due to budget cuts over the past year and that's hindering the police department to do their job and uh, individuals are taking advantage of that. So what we really have is not a, a gun problem. We have a policing problem. It sounds like from the well, most part, a funding of the policing problem. Funding of, there you, you, know, you want you want to take away the funding. Then there's no police officers on the street, on the beat to, essentially community police, right? We talk about community policing and building trust with the community. Right, right. Okay, well, thank you so much, Jenna, for, uh, for uh, being on the podcast and, and telling us all the, all the, uh, the real facts about uh, gun control and, and the crime statistics that go on. And uh, I'd like to encourage everybody to go visit Law Enforcement Today. Jenna writes there, and you'll see a lot of, a lot of great articles by Jenna, and she uh, has articles there on a regular basis. So, um, Jenna, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Dave, for having me. Okay, there you have it. So we went through President Biden's press conference. We talked about his gun control initiatives that he was planning on doing. We talked about some of the implications of some of those and what we thought the, the truth was relative to those. We had our subject matter expert on who gave us the real statistics that are in the Universal Crime Report that the FBI puts out. And in uh, some of the challenges in some of the cities, our large cities that have really significant amounts of gun control, yet they have this crime problem and this policing problem due to the defunding of the police that's going on. So 
Anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Facts Where It Matter. Stay tuned for more to come. Thanks for listening to the Facts Where It Matter podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to catch our future episodes. 